All right, let's uh, grab our seats this morning. Let's find our way back to our seats. All right, and are, we're good online too? All right, good morning to those of you here, and good morning to those of you um, online. Welcome to Coastline. All right, if you have your Bibles, would you go with me over to Romans chapter 12? And while you're turning to Romans chapter 12, uh, let me share with you guys an announcement. Um, on Thursday, Thursday afternoon, we received our final approval to be able to um, move into the new church space. And so we are there. We've been praying and just want to thank every single one of you guys for praying and continuing to come out and support. And, and I'm, I'm really excited. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm really, really excited. And I'm just thankful, you know, that the Lord has provided uh, this space for us to be able to go forward in as a church all right, let me give you guys some specifics now on what this is going to look like, because I know we've been talking, we've been praying, but what does it look like or look like specifically going forward? Well, next Sunday, we will still be here at the parking lot. So next Sunday will be our last Sunday here at Medreach. And so um, if you're going to be joining us next Sunday, next Sunday is Palm Sunday, um, make sure you guys head here. But moving forward, beyond next Sunday, we're going to be meeting at the new place. And it's in case you don't know what I'm talking about, we, um, back on January 1st, leased a um, church space for us to be able to um, have as our own space in the city of Torrance. And so next week we'll have flyers with address and everything else. But we leased that on January 1st, but there's been some... Um, things with the city that we need to get approved, permits, and, and things of that sort. And so that's what we're talking about this morning. All of that is now clear. All of that has been approved. And so we're ready to move in. All right, so our first Sunday at the new place will actually be, in God's perfect timing, Easter Sunday. And so our first Sunday there will be um, Easter morning. But let me say this, those of you that want to celebrate Good Friday, we will be having a time of worship and communion on Good Friday, but we're not going to be having it on stream, okay? So those of you online, if you'd like to come in person, you guys can join us at the new facility, um, and we'll have a time of worship and communion, um, family style. If you've ever been, if you've been with us, you know, one of the things we do, especially around the holiday times, is we gather everyone, the family, and we get together and we, we have service together even with our children. And so that very first time together will be Good Friday, 7 p.m. I'll have a flyer for you guys next Sunday with um, details and directions. And that'll be our first time. But once again, there will be no online stream. And then beginning on Easter morning, we'll gather together as a church and we'll provide not only in-service um, church, but we'll also be providing uh, an online as well, online service. Okay, so that's the plan. Next Sunday morning, like I said, I'll give you guys flyers, 
directions, all of that. And then next Sunday morning, I also encourage you guys to tune in because that's when we're also going to talk about specifics. And so this week, we're going to finalize what this opening is going to look like, what that's going to mean. I can't tell you it will involve uh, mass and, and all of that sort of thing. And so we're not going to, I know some churches have jumped right in and packed out the place and no mass and all that. It's not going to look like that. Um, at least for a while on Sunday mornings. And so next week, we'll give you guys the details. We'll give you guys the specifics of what gathering in person um, in our new space will look like. Okay, so continue to pray, but I'm excited. Real quick this morning, would you give the Lord a hand just for what the Lord is doing and what God's doing? So I'm excited. All right, Romans chapter 12 And our study this morning is actually going to tie into moving forward. And so we're kind of at this place, this time, as a church, where we're kind of moving forward into a new season. And so our message this morning actually is going to tie into that new season. So let's pray, and let's ask the Lord to bless our time together this morning. Romans chapter 12. Father, we come before you, and God, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for this moment that you've given to us to be able to study your word. And I pray now as we dive into this text, as we continue to study Romans chapter 12, would you minister, would you speak to our heart? And God, we just also as a church want to stop for a moment and we want to thank you. God, we want to thank you for your faithfulness. We want to thank you, Lord, that you have guided us through the past nine years as a church. And Lord, we thank you that you're opening up doors for us to continue to move forward as a church. And so, Lord, I pray, God, as we spend this time together, would you speak to us? Would you allow the teaching of your word to be presented to our hearts and to our minds and to our spirits in a way that's very clear, in a way in which we can receive. And so, Lord, we fix our eyes on you. Lord, would you have our complete and whole attention this morning in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. This morning, if you're taking notes, you can title this morning's message, Dear Church, It's Time for faith. Dear church, it's time for faith. Would you start reading with me here? Romans chapter 12, begin reading with me in verse 3. It says in verse 3, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each one of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we through many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. 
If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouragement, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Dear church, it's time for faith. This morning, our focus, the direction that we're going with in our text, is in the direction of taking steps of faith. You see, when we decide to serve God, it's an exercise of faith. Because it takes a lot of faith to take that first step. It takes a lot of faith to say, I'm committed. It takes a lot of faith to say, I'm going to try. Would you leave something here in Romans chapter 12? And real quick, go with me over to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14 has one of my favorite stories about faith. It's a story that most of us here right now listening, it's a story we've all heard. It's the story about when Jesus walked on water. But you could also say that it's the story about when Peter walked on water. Take a look at it with me. Matthew 14, look at verse 25. It says, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples, you guys remember the disciples were in a boat, it says when the disciples saw Jesus walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Verse 27, but Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Verse 29, Jesus says to Peter, come. We're told that Peter gets out of the boat and he walked on water and came toward Jesus. Verse 30, but when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid and he began to sink, crying out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught him, and Jesus said these words. He says, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped Jesus, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Let me say this this morning. This story has always been seen as Peter having little faith. It's always been seen as, as a story where Peter takes his eyes off of Jesus and he falls into the water. But I would encourage you this morning, just for a moment, to see something different in the story. In verse 27, go with me back there real quick. Jesus says something to the boys, to the disciples. He says, take courage. It is I. Take courage. And one of the things we're going to see in just a moment is Peter exercising faith. We're going to see Peter exercising 
courage. You see, verse 27, it takes courage, and it took courage for Peter to get out the boat. Verse 27, it takes courage to take a step and walk on water. This morning, I encourage you as we look at the text to see the courage of Peter. Go with me back to verse 28. Peter said these words, and these were courageous words. He said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. Most of us would say to God, Lord, tell me not to come. Lord, tell me not to leave the boat. Lord, tell me not to take this step. Yet Peter looks at God courageously and he says, tell me to come. And in verse 29, Jesus says to Peter, come, take the step. Take the step. Take the step off the boat. Take the step into what's waiting for you. Take the step into something that's exciting ahead. Peter, would you step off the boat? Just come. To me, this is the equivalent of, listen, there's something exciting for you if you're willing to get out the boat. Now let's put it in a church context for a moment. There's something exciting for you if you're willing to get off the couch. There's something exciting for you if you're willing to get out the pew or the black chair or your car or whatever you want to call it because we're in 2021 in the middle of Corona. But listen, if you're willing to get out, if you're willing to take the step, this step that's going to take faith this step that's going to take courage, there's something exciting for you. And we know the story, Peter decides to take the step. Peter decides to get off the boat. In a church context, Peter got off the couch. When I was 19, I was helping as a youth leader in the junior high ministry of our church. And our youth pastor came to me one day and he gave me a book on how to be a Bible teacher. I had no plans to be a Bible teacher. I wasn't something I wanted to do. I wasn't really good at talking or communicating. But he came to me and said, I see something in you. Read this book and we'll talk in about a month. And so I took the book. I read the book. I only read the book because I knew he was going to ask me every Sunday if I read the book. So I only did it because I didn't want him to get on me. But I read the book. And a couple months later, we sit down to talk. And as we're talking, he says, I want you to take the things you learned in the book. Well, I had only kind of skimmed the books. I didn't really know exactly what was in the book, but I had read just enough to be able to answer him or hold the conversation with him. I didn't really know what was in the book, but he said, I want you to take the book, take the pointers from the book, and I want you to develop a Bible study. Whatever your favorite verse is, I want you to develop a Bible study based on the things you've learned. 
My favorite verse was Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. For you are once darkness, but you are now light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And so I took that verse there in Ephesians. I took the tips, the pointers from the book, and I developed a Bible study. And so I practiced the Bible study on people I knew. You know, I would sit people down and, okay, listen, you want to hear my Bible study? I even sat with our youth pastor a couple times, and I, in his office, taught him the Bible study. And so there came a point where he said, okay, I think you're ready. I think it's time for you to give your first Bible study. So my, Bible, my first Bible study was on a Sunday night in the junior high ministry. There were about 20 junior hires there. Listen, church, that was my version of stepping out the boat and stepping behind the pulpit. I stood behind the pulpit. I got out the boat. I'm standing there, and I start stuttering. I started shaking uncontrollably in front of these 20 junior hires. Every word that came out, I was repeating it over and over again, and I couldn't stop the shaking my study lasted for about five minutes. I was barely in my intro, but because the stuttering wouldn't stop and I couldn't get past the nerves, I closed my study in prayer in the middle of my intro. Now, I bet some of you guys wish I still taught five-minute Bible studies. But anyways, listen. At first, I felt defeated. At first, I told myself I would never do that again. Later that week, I had a follow-up conversation with my youth pastor. And he told me he thought it went well. And I looked at him like, what are you talking about? What are you saying? It was a disaster. He said, but you got out the boat. He said, you see, there are a lot of people who will never actually take the step of faith to get out the boat. He said, you already did the hardest part. You took the step of faith and you tried. This morning, church, listen, it's time to take a step of faith. It's time to get out the boat. It's time to get off the couch. It's time to get out of the pew and by faith, try something. Give me your eyes for a moment, church. Listen, it's time by faith to try something. You see, every week we can come, we can sit. Every week we can grab our remote and flip on YouTube and join in online. But there comes a moment where by faith we say, I need to try. I need to take a step. Last Sunday morning, if you were here in verses 1 and 2, the focus of our text was the surrender of the Christian. Well, this morning, the focus of our text here in verses 3 through 8 is the service of the Christian. Or you could say this, it's the step of faith of the Christian. 
Let's begin reading verse 3. Go back with me to Romans chapter 12. Let's start this morning our text in verse 3. It says here, verse 3, For I say, through the grace given to me, to every one who's among you. Remember, Romans chapter 12 is a very practical chapter focused on, you guys remember back in verse 1, the brethren, the church, the church family. And so here in verse 3, as Paul starts a new little section of chapter 12, he wants to make sure that he reminds us that the text is continuing to speak to the brethren. Notice in verse 3, he says this right here, what's going to be addressed in this section is to everyone, notice the end of verse 3, to everyone who is among you. If you have your pen, pencil, something that makes a line this morning, in verse 3, I want you guys to circle the word everyone. Circle the word there, everyone. This is for everyone. It's for everyone that's already helping, serving. It's for, listen, everyone who's here in person who maybe is praying about where God has them or what God has for them. And this everyone also includes those of you who are watching online, those of you who maybe haven't made it out to service, but those of you who are part of our church family, listen, this text, this section is for everyone who is among you. Everyone who's a part of us, this teaching is for everyone. Continue verse 3. It says that everyone is not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Now, if you have your pen, pencil, highlighter, something makes a line, here in verse 3, there's three words I want you to underline. Notice in verse 3 that the word think is used three times. So circle, highlight, underline that word think. It says we are not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. It's interesting to me that where we left off last week in verse 2, the focus was on the renewing of our mind, or literally, if you're with us, changing the way we think. And so the transition you see here from verse 2, renewing our mind, changing the way we think, now as we go into verse 3, there's this emphasis on the word think. Now, this word think here, Paul is not referring to our intelligence. He's not referring to our mental state. But what Paul is referring to here in the Greek is he's talking about our attitude. This word think here in the Greek refers to our mindset, our attitude. You see, our attitude, our mindset, when it comes to serving God, is to remain humble. In fact, here in verse 3, it uses the phrase that we are not to think highly of ourselves. We're not to think highly. 
This word highly in the Greek, it means to have a higher opinion of yourself than is proper. Or it means to overly esteem to the point of arrogance. And so here, our heart, the way we think, our attitude, our mindset, when it comes to serving or helping or being part of the body of Christ, it's we're to come, and we're to come in humility. We're not to come high, but we're to come humble. We're not to come with this opinion of ourselves, where, hey man, church is lucky to have me. God is lucky that I showed up this morning. Have any of us ever shown up thinking that? Man, coastline is so, man, they better be happy I came. Or God better be happy, man, that I showed up early today. Or someone like me, with all my giftings and all the things that I'm good at, would choose to use it for God. How many of, have any of us ever had that attitude? I pray, I pray we don't, because if we do, then we're thinking more highly of ourselves. We're over-esteeming ourselves to the point of arrogance, to the point of of pride. And so he says, before we can even talk about serving, helping within a church, our attitude, our mindset needs to be at a place. Notice in verse 3 here, look at the word, it needs to be at a place of sober thinking. Where I'm thinking sober. Those of you that have been in the world for longer than five minutes, I don't need to tell you the difference between being sober and the way you think and the, you know, the way you act, the way you behave, the way you think, the way you talk when you're not sober. He says, would you think soberly about yourself? Now, I want you guys to notice at the end of verse 3, there's one more phrase I want to focus on before we move forward. Look at it with me in verse 3. It says, now that we got our mindset and our attitude thinking correctly, it says at the end of verse 3 that God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So if your mind is right, if your attitude is right, then you can be in a place where you're looking at this and you're looking at serving God in a, from a healthy perspective. And he says, God is given to each one a measure of faith. Or you can literally say it like this. God has given every Christian a gift of faith. Or literally a gift that it takes faith to use. Write this down this morning. If you're taking notes, would you write this down? Every Christian has been given a spiritual gift by God and has also been given a local church to attend and to be faithful in using that gift. Now, let me repeat. Every Christian has been given a spiritual gift by God and has also been given a local church to attend and to be faithful in using that gift. Let's break this down for a minute. Every Christian, 
every person who has the Spirit of God dwelling in them because they've accepted Christ as their Savior, God, in that moment, there's a spiritual gift upon your life. There's a measure of faith, a gift of faith given to you. So let me say this this morning. Give me your eyes for a moment, church. If you're a Christian, if you've given your life to Christ, you have a spiritual gift. You've been given a gift of faith. That's non-negotiable. That's not, I think I have a gift. I maybe have a gift. It's you have been given a gift, a spiritual gift. And that gift, listen, how do you use it? Well, God has given us also not only a gift, but he gives us this thing called the local church. And the local church is the place where you call your home church. So wherever that place is, God has placed you there not to just sit, but to serve. God has placed you within that local church to then take a step of faith and say, I'm here to help. I'm here to serve. I have this gift. I have this one thing. How can I use it? How can it be a blessing to the local church, wherever your home church is? But I love real quick this morning that he calls it a measure of faith. You see, because it takes faith, it takes faith to have that conversation. It takes faith to make your way to a worship leader and say, hey, can I help? I, I, I can do this. It takes faith to make your way over to the pastor and say, hey, I don't know if you know this, but I really have a heart for this, or I'm actually really good at this. Do you think it could be a blessing to the church? It takes faith to make your way over, they're, they're raising their hand over, to the local sound table and audio table and say, hey, I don't know if you know this, but... I used to work at Best Buy. I, I, I don't know, whatever it is, but I mean, whatever it is, it takes faith to have that conversation. It takes faith to take that step. Now, to illustrate these giftings and how they work, Paul uses the illustration of a body. Keep reading with me, verse 4. It says, For as we have many members in one body... But all the members do not have the same function. Paul, he had several illustrations that he loved to use over and over again in his writings. And the picture of the church being a body was one of them. I think the church being a body and the Christian being an athlete were probably Paul's two favorite illustrations this illustration of the church being a body, if you're taking notes, he used it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, when he says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. He also used it in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, when he said, 
Christ gave himself or himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. Listen, so that the body of Christ may be built up. And then I love this one in Colossians chapter 1 verse 18. Paul takes this phrase, the body, and he actually uses it to speak directly about the church so that we know that the church and the body, when he uses these phrases, are talking about the same thing. Colossians 1.18 says, and he is the head. Jesus is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things Jesus may have the preeminence. In Colossians 1.18, he says, He, Jesus, is the head of the body. He says, He's the head of the body of Christ. And then in the same sentence, he says, The body, comma, the church. The church. The church and the body are a reference to the same group of people, in case it wasn't obvious. The church in the Greek, in the New Testament, it literally means, you guys have heard this before, the called out ones. So the church in Greek literally means the called out ones. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 tells us we have been called out of the darkness and we've been called into his marvelous light. So that's a picture of the church. So if you've ever wondered, okay, what is the body of Christ? What's the church? Literally, it's a picture of a group of people gathering together just like this, and they've been called out of the darkness. And so what we have this morning is a meeting, a gathering of people who've accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. They've been called out of the darkness and when you're called out of something, you're also called into something. And according to Scripture, we've been called into his marvelous light. I love that picture. A group of called out ones. Now, one more thing about this word church. The word church can be used to refer to two things. Number one, the first way that the word church can be used is when it's referencing the universal church. The universal church. The universal church are all the called out ones in the entire world who have a relationship with Jesus. So that would include everyone out there who's part of the universal body of Christ. But this word church here also speaks of what we talked about a moment ago, the local church. The local church is that local group of believers that gather together like we're doing this morning. They're gathered together. They come together because they all believe in the same thing. You see, my prayer for us this morning is that's why we're gathered here. Because God has called us out of the darkness into his marvelous light and he's assembled a local group of called out ones who just love each other, love studying his word together, love worshiping together. Continue with me, verse 5. It says, so we, 
being many. We, so when we're talking about the universal church, we're talking about many across the world. Or whether we're talking about the local church, we here gathered, those of you, our church family, with us online, it says in verse 5, we are one body in Christ. But there's something here at the end of verse 5 where we're going to, as we talked about mindset, attitude earlier, I want, if there was ever, if there was ever a mindset that I want to encourage every single one of you to have, it would be the end of verse 5. Notice what it says. It says, we all, as the body of Christ, are, listen, individually members of one another. I love that. Would you underline that there at the end of verse 5? If I could put together a group of words that describe what my heart is as a pastor for this thing called Coastline, for this local church called Coastline, these would be the words. One body in Christ who are individually members of one another. If you've been with us since the beginning, one of the things you know is that our vision from the beginning has always been this. Having a mindset where every member is committed to one another. Now, does that always happen? No. Is it always realistic in every season of life? I mean, we try. But this has always been the vision of our ministry. This has always been the vision of this local church. You see, it's one thing to say, I belong to Christ, but it's another thing to say, not only do I belong to Christ, but I also belong to those who are in Christ. You see, God has not called us to be individual members off on our own. I'm saved, that's it. God has called us to be saved, committed to Christ, and committed to the members of the body of Christ. We can say I'm related to God, but by faith we can also say I'm related to you. We're related to each other. If you were to ask someone, if you were to ask the average Christian what their priorities are, in fact, I'm going to ask you this morning, listen, Christian, what are your priorities in life? Where do they rank? How do they stack up? The obvious answer, number one, family feud, number one answer on the board, ding, 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 would obviously be God. God, top of the board, can't dispute it, can't argue it, it's the only answer. Now, number two, if we were playing this game, what are your priorities in life? Number two, most of us would say family, right? I mean, that's what we would put. That would be the number two answer on the board, family. But I would say this to you, which family? Obviously, number two, your parents, your siblings, your spouse, your children, your uncle, whoever. I mean, 
Yes, family. But my question is this this morning. Is there room under number two in family for your church family? You guys remember Ephesians tells us that we are all together heirs of the manifold grace of God. So what does that mean? It means that we're all family. We are all heirs under the same father. We've all been adopted by the same father. We all cry out Abba to the same dad. When it comes to the body of Christ, where does this family fit into your priorities? Let me tell you how the Bible describes and how the Bible says this concern for family should look like. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26, the Bible says that if one part of the body of Christ, one part of your church family suffers, every other part of the family is to suffer with it. If one part of the church family, the body of Christ, is honored, every part of the church family, the body of Christ, is to rejoice with it. What does that mean? It means that when you become part of the local church, the body of Christ, you become invested in each other. You become invested in the well-being of somebody else who's also part of the local church. You become invested in their marriage. You become invested in their family. You become invested in them growing spiritually. And when they're suffering, you suffer with them. When they're rejoicing, you rejoice with them. So when the test has two lines, you say, yay, we're having a baby. But as we've had lately in our church, when somebody loses a member of their family, you suffer with them. You cry with them. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. That's what it means to serve one another. Now, within the church, not only are there various parts of the body, but going back to something we said a few minutes ago, there are also various giftings among the parts of the body. Go with me over to verse 6 this morning. It says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that's given to us, let us use them. Let us use them. We'll come back to verse 6 in a moment. Gifts. Every single Christian has been given at least one measure of faith, at least one spiritual gift. According to verse 6 here, we're given a few, we're, we're given a few, um, a few ideas a few categories, you could say, of where these giftings might fall into. Here in Romans chapter 12, at the end of verse 6, it says somebody might have the gift of prophecy. 
If you have the gift of prophecy, we're not going to get into the specifics of these giftings, but if you have the gift of prophecy, prophesy in proportion to our faith. In verse 7, he says, some of you might have the gift of ministry. This word ministry, it literally means just to help, to serve. If you have a heart to minister, it's kind of interesting. The word minister, we often attach it or associate it with, with a person. Oh, here comes Randolph. He's the minister. Or there's a wedding. Someone is going to officiate it and be the minister. But the reality is this word minister, all it means is to help. It means to serve. It means to jump in. He says, if you have the gift of ministry, if you feel called to minister, to help, to jump in, use it. Jump in. It says in verse 7, he who teaches instructs. And this teaching isn't just pulpit ministry. This teaching is children's ministry. This teaching is home, parent with child ministry. It's teaching. It's teaching. If you have the gift of teaching, if you're called to teach, use it. Do something. Verse 8, he who exhorts. So if you're someone that really feels, man, I love to encourage people. I love to exhort people. If you have the gift, use it. Don't stay silent. Use it. In verse 8, he says, He who gives, give generously. Or he says, give with liberality. This means that if you have the means to be a blessing, why would you not? If God's blessed you, why would you not turn around and use it to bless the body of Christ? And this goes beyond tithing. So this isn't me trying to give a tithing speech this morning. But this is just, if you have the means, help. I mean, I've seen people in the body of Christ who have an extra car. And there's a family who's in need. And I've seen people bless a family with the car. I've seen people, when we talked about when people were, um, some people lost their, their parents. You know, a lot of times people show up when tragedy or heartache hit a family and they'll show people from the church will show up with meals to bless that family to give but when even when it comes to tithing or giving to the church i'll tell you guys this our church and the fact that we're going to be moving into this space we would not be in position to move into that space if people didn't have the gift of giving. And I'm not just talking about you're part of our church, so when the thing comes around or when Charles says go online to coastline slash give and you can give, I'm talking about there are people who God has specifically put it on their heart who might not even be with us on Sundays. Or, you know, we have one person who used to attend our church who doesn't even attend our church anymore because God has moved them somewhere else who still give and they give generously and so he says this is what it looks like in the church if you have the ability to bless you bless 
Verse 8, he who leads, would you lead? Would you lead with diligence? Would you lead with diligence? This word diligence, it, it, it literally means would you lead from a place of strength where there's no compromise, where there's the right attitude? Would you lead with diligence? And that he who shows mercy, if you have mercy, if you're a super merciful person, would you do it with cheerfulness? Now, if you're taking notes, Romans 12 is only one little section in God's word where giftings to the Christian are mentioned. You can also write this down in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 28 through 30. We also get some mention of gifts. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, there's also mentions of ways which people might be called to serve God. And then in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11, we're told also that there's the ability for a Christian to use their gifts, whether it be to speak or to serve. But I want to go back to verse 6, and I want to finish here this morning. Go back to verse 6. It says, having then gifts differing. The body of Christ, Paul uses this illustration, and the picture is meant to say that not all of us are the same body part. We're not all the same part of the body, but we're all different parts of the body. You know, one person might be a finger, one might be a toe, one might be an elbow. I believe there might even be someone who is the armpit of the body of Christ. I don't know what, what that looks like, or, but, but I'm sure there's a very smelly person that walks in every single week, and we just love you because you're you. But, but we're all different. That's the illustration. But we're also told that when you are part of the body of Christ, not only are you a part, a body part, but the body part each has its own gifting, gifting. Now, I don't believe this, but I'm going to share this story anyway. So I was having dinner maybe about a year ago with somebody who's part of the body of Christ. And as I, we were having dinner, you know, we were talking and the, this person was talking to me about how, man, they just love to just blast people, you know, they, like they feel like Matthew 18, confrontation is their ministry. And it's funny because I looked at the person like, yeah, man, I just really feel like God's called me just to, to keep people in check and call them out. And, and I said, that, that's interesting. Like, since we're all part of one body, like what part of the body would you call that? He says, I like to think of myself as the fist in the church. I said, wow, the fist. He said, yeah, I like to go around and I just like to confront and call out and blast. And, and I was like, wow, that's an interesting part of the body that you feel that you are. Anyways, this is my point this morning. My point is, we're all different parts. You might even be the fist or you might be the thumb, or you might be the lips, or whatever it is, but we're all different. But this is the key. 
the end of verse 6, and then we're going to be done this morning. There's two things I want to leave you with. In verse 6, it says that whatever the gifting is, notice, look, look at it with me. It's according to the grace that's given to us. And we know the word grace, right? Grace is when you're given something you don't deserve. So let me say it like this this morning. Whatever your gift is, whatever God has called you to excel at, we're not to complain about it. We're not to look at envy with somebody else's gift and say, man, I wish I had their gift. Poor me, I'm not them. No, we're to look at whatever gift God has given to us and say, man, it's a gift by grace. I didn't deserve this gift in the first place. So maybe I wish God would use me in a different way, but God uses me like this, and it's by grace that I get to be used like this. And so number one, we're not to complain because it's a gift given by grace. And then lastly, and then we're going to pray, the gift God's given to us, Verse 6, pen, pencil, highlighter, something that makes a line, underline the phrase, let us use them. Let us use them. You guys can close your Bibles. We're done this morning. But whatever gift, whatever way in which God has maybe called you to help, Whatever way you fit in the local church as part of the body of Christ, the Bible says, do something. Take a step. I know it feels safe inside the boat, but it's time to step out of the boat, and it's time to do something. Imagine... Some of us have been Christians. Some of us have been walking with Jesus for a long time. 10, 15, 20 years. Still sitting in the boat. Just sitting on the couch. Hanging out on the pew. And I pray that maybe for the first time in your relationship with God, this might be the moment where God is stirring you and saying, hey, Time to take a step of faith. Time to get up from where it's comfortable and maybe try doing something. He says, if you have a gift, which you do, let us use them. Let us use them. Father, thank you for this morning. God, thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray, God, that we would take this text and Lord, that we would take the exhortation from the text that if we have a gift, that we're to use it. That we're to use it. If it's teaching, that we're to teach. If it's to help, then we're to help. If it's to give, then we're to give. If it's to, if it's to show mercy, then we're to do it cheerfully. I pray right now for every single one of us, whether here or online, who's listening, who's watching. I pray that your spirit right now would stir in our heart that it's time. It's time to take a step of faith.
It's time to take the measure of faith, the gift of faith that you've given to us, and to exercise it, to put it into practice, to get out the boat. And so, Lord, we just, we love you. We thank you for this morning, and we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, amen.